Welcome to Season 5, Episode 17 of the Zebra Before and After Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Ball. Gosh, how many different colors do you remember did you incorporate into this piece? I would say off the top of my head, about 13 or 14 wow. different colors. Um, I have a fun picture somewhere on my Instagram where I have my paints all laid out and uh-huh. each uh, corresponding zebra brush laid out in front of each uh, thing of paint. Bethany with Riverbank Art Studio joins us today in our Uncovering Art segment. She shares all about her mural painting business and we talk about one of her commission pieces. Meg with MW Home Goods shares her tip on trusting the furniture refinishing process. Autumn with Prayed Over Pieces shares her furniture mishap in our furniture blooper segment. We hear a special message from our Zebra Review August paint sponsor Yachty with Lily Move Paint. Stay with us friends, we have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Edgar Degas, the famous French Impressionist artist, once said, Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Every day, thousands of artists are doing just that with their work, and every day we see unique, beautiful furniture pieces, canvas, and mural paintings that have stretched the limit of creativity, bringing art to new levels of inspiration. Uncovering this art is what this segment is all about. We are excited to feature another episode of Uncovering Art. These segments give us all the opportunity to explore amazing talent and how the artist achieves their success, uncovering the details, uncovering the art. Today we are uncovering an amazing mural artist, Bethany with Riverbank Art Studio. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Bethany. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on our podcast segment, Uncovering Art. And you are a muralist in San Antonio, Texas. Are you on location today? I was earlier today. I took a break to film the podcast, and I will go back later this afternoon. All right. So, and, and you know, I hear it's hot in Texas. Am I correct on that? <laughs> it is very hot. We're, it's uh, not uncommon to be at 110 lately. Yeah, I know. So I just, it just like blows me away. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. Luckily, uh, yeah. all my jobs this summer have been indoors, so I have been spared from, you know, heat exhaustion and uh, getting too depleted this summer. So it's been good. Yeah, yeah, for multiple reasons, not just for your own person, <laughs> but also I imagine it would make it a little difficult painting too outdoors. Yeah, the paint gets really thick really fast if uh, you're outside in that kind of heat. Yeah, yeah, there's so many factors, isn't there? Well, we're eager to talk about all the different <laughs> things to consider when painting uh, on a large scale. So we want to know how you got started as a muralist. Absolutely. So ironically, my very first job out of high school while I was in college getting my art degree was at a art studio where they specialized in painting murals. And I went there for like an introductory class and on the spot during the introductory class, they hired me. So I started going on site and assisting them. But I did get my bachelor's degree in painting and just kind of pursued fine art. It wasn't until a little over two years ago where I had my first mural client where they approached me and said, will you paint on a large scale? And I was like, sure. I mean, I'd done it before, but just not under my own business name. 
you know, friends, family, and mm-hmm. from that job, from that job a decade prior. And I really loved it. And that led to me doing it for my first commercial business reached out. And we painted their bathroom and they kind of, we just, it was a bartering thing for my first commercial client. I have five years of free yoga, which I haven't used, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I have a, a really cool mural in their bathroom that was even featured in uh, one of the San Antonio magazines as a lavatory to love. So that was kind of fun. And that wow. really sparked, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool. That really sparked that joy and fulfillment and passion for okay, painting on a canvas is one thing. Painting on a wall is a whole other ball game, and I want to do more of it. And so from then, it just was word of mouth. Um, but I do have a background in sales as well. And so I was like, okay, if I apply all of the business skills and experiences that I've used in my other careers to apply it to here, into growing my neural business, I think I can make it work. And here I am. Well, you, you got the ideal combination between having the <laughs> talent and then the sales ability, because that's a struggle for some people. They, they have the ability, you know, but they're like, I don't know how to promote myself. I don't know how to sell my, my uh, talents. So that's a great Absolutely. combination. It is. And it just, it just happened this way. I mean, I, like I said, my bachelor's degree was in painting, but as soon as I finished my bachelor's degree, I was like, well, I don't want to be a teacher and I, I'm too young. Like I want to, I want to see what it's like in business. My, my first bachelor's degree uh, of choice was actually a business degree. Uh Um, but I ended up going into art, but that business side never really left me. And so as soon as I graduated from my bachelor's, I got my master's in business and continued and like pursued the corporate route. I was like, okay, art will be a hobby. It'll be something to relieve stress. I'll paint for pleasure for myself. And I'm going to climb this corporate ladder. And I did, and I loved it, all of it. And it started in sales, led to managing sales teams, led to becoming a numbers nerd and doing more of like the, re- the reporting, building mm-hmm. uh, all the analytics. And that led into a whole other more nerdy role where I was coding. <laughs> and really? Like, <laughs> yes. It was so bizarre. I'm like, they hired me. I didn't even know I was going to be coding. And like two weeks into the job, my manager's like, so now we're going to start teaching you coding. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, we knew you hadn't done it, but we knew you knew Excel really well and that you have a sales background. So we knew we could teach you the coding aspect. And I was like, well, I'm glad you believe in me because this is really intimidating. So it is. It's this amazing, as I look at it now, this amazing combination of passion because I love cold calling. I love marketing. I love sales. I love building networks and relationships very much. And I missed that. Um, But now I get to do it for myself and about something that I'm also really passionate. So it doesn't feel like sales to me. It's really just me talking and it comes really naturally. I love it, but I'm also using that to help other mural artists and other small business owners here in San Antonio to help them feel more comfortable, even if they're not artists, just with building Mm -hmm. their business and and sharing what they do, but more importantly, why they do it. And once you shift your perspective that way, it doesn't feel weird. Yeah, it's, it's so natural. 
you know, I think you could speak at a high school career day because you've got so many different talents that you could really help kids go, no, you probably shouldn't consider that. But if you like this, this would be a good route for you because you sounds like you've done it all and you're pretty young. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a wonderful ride. Yes. And, you know, just looking back on it, I could have just pursued murals right out of college because uh-huh. I was working at that studio and getting my art degree it, like at that now looking back at it it's surprising that I didn't pursue that at all but I didn't even think about it I didn't even like dawn on me oh this could be like my career path um, and I'm glad that didn't occur mm-hmm. to me because then I would have lost 10 years of building the tool belt that I needed to be successful Right, right. That's so so valuable. Well, you know, speaking of being a muralist, what do you enjoy the most about it? Um, Bringing a strategic purpose to a client's vision. Mm. So I really, really love working with businesses. And my approach to mural design is very intentional. So when I meet with a business and they say, oh, we don't know what we want. We have no idea the style of mural, but we've seen your work and we'd love to work with you. But like, here's the wall, but that's all we know. <laughs> and like that happens all the time. That's a majority of my clients. And so I sit down and I ask them a lot of questions. I learn about the business. I learn about them as business owners. And this also applies to people who bring me into their home. So same thing, they might not know exactly what they want, but I start with asking a lot of questions because I want every one of my clients to be able to take advantage of hiring a mural artist. If you're going to make that investment, then it should be something that you cannot find anywhere else. It needs to be significant. It needs to be personal to your to your business, to the people that see that mural, and to your family if I'm painting in your home. And so I find out, you know, special things about them that we can bring to life in that mural. But I also attach, you know, the business perspective. Okay, this is an investment that you're making into your business. What are you trying to invoke? Are you wanting to have this social media branding, this Instagram worthy mural backdrop where everybody wants to take a picture in front of it and you're going to have free user generated content? just by investing in me as a painter. And then now everybody mm-hmm. that comes into your space wants to take a picture, they post it, they tag you, and your brand is now spreading to their social networks better than you could have done with just you know Instagram ads. Right. Or maybe you just want an elevated experience. Maybe it's not something where people are gonna necessarily take a picture in front of it and stand there, but maybe when they walk into your establishment, it makes them feel like they're in a place of luxury or they're in a place of calm or whatever feeling you want to invoke, they walk in and they feel that. Mm-hmm. And so there's just many, many mural objectives. And so mm-hmm. I really like to approach it from like a strategic point so people can have the most return on their investment into something that is very, very personal and specific. Well, Bethany, you know, there are so many people that are out there listening. They're canvas painters, they're furniture painters, and maybe they've always thought about going large scale, but they're intimidated by that idea. 
how about you giving us some direction, like what's a skill set required and what advice would you give them? I love that question. And my instant advice is just do it. I think there are a lot of artists and creatives that are more than capable to paint murals on a large scale, not just for residential clients, but also for businesses and on the streets. They're able to paint, but it's the intimidation factor. So if there's anything you learn from today, it's just just try it. Um, it's paint. You can try, grab any wall in your home, practice it, learn the ins and outs. As long as you have a steady hand and a zebra brush, you're good. You're good. You got it. And if, it, if you mess up, you roll the wall again, you start over. You just, there's no harm in doing it. And I would say that you start small. You start with what you feel comfortable with. There are so many different styles you can have as a mural artist. And I would say I'm still finding my my voice and my style, but I also love being diverse. So you don't feel like you have to know exactly what your style is. I like to meet the needs of the client and my clients are very diverse in what aesthetic they want and what style they want. And I like to be able to mold to them. So don't be worried about not having a style, get out there and try it. And for me, for a majority of my murals, I use a projector. There are some that I freehand completely. There are others where uh, I use a, a tra another transfer method. But for the sake of time and just effectiveness and time is money. And I have, you know, done really well with using a projector. It's not foolproof. It's not perfect. It's just giving you reference lines. It's giving mm -hmm. you kind of here's where things are somewhat going to go. And then you're freehanding it. It's not, uh, it's not cheating. It is being efficient. Uh, even the, the greats, Da Vinci and Michelangelo, I mean, everybody used some kind of transfer method. So mm -hmm. don't let that make you feel like you're not a true artist. If you're not, every single mural artist is using projectors, doodle grids, paper, graphite paper. Uh, so just try it. If you don't like it, roll back over it. Tell your friends and family you'd love to paint a mural. Maybe you know someone who's expecting a baby. Nurseries are a great place to start. Laundry rooms, powder rooms. I mean, you can have so much fun with it. And go on Pinterest. Go on Instagram. Just go into any of the account tags on Instagram and, you know, Google, you know, mural artists or look at different things that inspire you and start saving them to an album just give you inspiration. But I use household paint. I, I use the same quality, high quality paint that people are using on the outsides of buildings and the insides of buildings. So it's wipeable, scuff resistant. Um, and 90% of my murals are painting with zebra brushes. So if you're listening, you already mm. know they're awesome. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's music to our ears for sure. We love that. And you know what? I love what you said, too, because one of the facts that happens when you try something new, one of the things that happens in your mindset is fear. Fear kicks in, right? And mm -hmm. when you talk about it's no big deal, you can paint over it, right? And that just takes that fear away. Because I think fear, a lot of times, um, it, it, it damages the creative process because you, know, you, you allow that to just sort of be the primary thing in your mind. And so you're, you're sort of like tied back from allowing your creative mm -hmm. juices to flow. So, and mm -hmm. I love the fact too, that you said it's okay to transfer, use projectors. My gosh, you're doing all the work, right? 
I mean, so what, what's <laughs> yes, exactly the design. The design is the majority of it. So I I design everything um, on my iPad, and then I just transfer the image onto this to the wall. And you don't need some fancy big projector when you're starting out. I started out with a very cost effective one, and then when I started getting into massive, you know, murals, and I could afford to make that you know, investment, then I have a really nice one, but mm -hmm. it, I didn't start there at all. Mm -hmm. I was for a very long time making it work with something that was very inexpensive. And so it's possible. And again, it, it is paint. It, you take a quart of paint to roll the wall again, if you need to start over <laughs> and you could have, you could just choose one, one wall in your garage and just choose to do it all, but it's your art. So also Start off with it knowing the worst case scenario is you go over it, but also don't let that fear also make you feel like you can only paint in your house or in your garage. Tell yeah. your friends and your family, go, go, you know, put yourself out there, go talk to a business. I know when I go about my daily life, it doesn't matter if it's an exterior wall as I'm driving on a highway or it's a blank white wall in the coffee shop that I frequent. I see blank canvases all around me and I just say something. I'm like, Hey, if y'all are ever looking for some art or you're ever looking for a mural artist, here's my card. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's getting easier to do that now that I have a portfolio. Mm -hmm. But when I started having those conversations and engaging clients, I didn't have a portfolio that was super robust that showed everything I was capable of. There were a lot of first time clients of mine back in the early days where I'm like, you just got to trust me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, this is going to be easy for me, you know, and I, I would show them some other things that I had done that were not anything they were looking for, but they did have a high level of skill in order to paint them. And I was just like, look, this is what I'm capable of. Um, there are other mural artists that I follow online and on Instagram and they talk a lot about, Hey, if you don't have a wall to paint, but you have an idea for a mural, do the mock-up digitally and show your mock-ups. Yeah. Just to show idea. your mock-ups. Cause that that's the hardest part is the design. And, mm -hmm. and it, it truly is. And so if you don't have something that shows it on the wall, mock it up and then, go to that coffee shop one day and take a picture of that wall, get home, overlay your design on top of that blank wall, and go back the next time for another coffee and say, hey, this is just an idea I had. I'd love mm -hmm. to meet with you. Would you ever be interested in hiring me to paint a mural? So if you don't have to show them actual things you've painted, you can show them your designs. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, I tell you what, why don't you do this for us? Because I think it's be helpful. Why don't you walk us through your creative process from sitting down with the client to the final execution of the mural? Yeah, absolutely. So I, whether it's word of mouth or website inquiries or Instagram inquiries, clients come to me. Um, I also do cold outreach. Um, but once a connection has been made, then uh, I do not have to meet with them in person right off the bat. So we have a phone call. It's like a discovery phone call. They get to learn about my process, what they can expect. And then they tell me about what type of wall, how large the wall is, a little bit about their company, the space. Um, and as that phone call wraps up, 
their homework is to provide me photos of that area, photos of the exact wall I'll be painting as well as dimensions. And at this point, there's no obligation. Right now, we're just in this, you know, mm -hmm. introductory discovery phase. They're getting to know me. I'm getting to know them. We both have to decide if it's a right fit. And that's something I've learned is just because they want to work with me doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the best fit for me as an artist and, and as a as a business person. So there are some times where I I say no to a job or I they just get priced out. Um, and so you're both interviewing each other. And mm. so we have, you know, this phone call and we see if we're a good fit. It usually goes pretty well at that point. And then it goes into email or texting to get the dimensions, get the photos. From there, I also ask them, if possible, if they can send me inspiration photos or murals or artwork that's already pre-existing in their home or their business or that they've seen elsewhere, outside, um, or maybe they have a wallpaper that really inspires them. I just want to get an idea of their artistic direction in their mind, trying to get into their mind, right? Of this, mm -hmm. this vision that they have artistically and what their style is. Cause there's, like I said, that's honestly the hardest part is understanding what's their stylistic direction so that I can match it. And the, when I design something, it's in sync with what they're looking for. So I ask a lot of questions and I do, I'll maybe ask them, Hey, can you just, you know, go on to Pinterest, just throw things together that speak to you just to help me. It doesn't have to be murals. It literally can be anything. I just want to mm -hmm. know kind of where do you stand artistically design wise? And that helps a lot from there. Now that I have dimensions, now that I have photos and I have style, those are the three components I need in order to build a quote. So from there, I send them over an estimate. Uh, I price by square foot. And it depends on the level of complexity and the size. Mm -hmm. And so I build them, or I build a quote, I email that over to them. And if they agree to it, then I turn that into an invoice that becomes the down payment. So I usually do a deposit of either 25 to 50% um, upfront. And I do not do any design work until that deposit is paid. And I also have a mural contract. So the contract states the terms of the project. So it will restate the dimensions of the wall, the scope of the project that I'm about to execute, the payment terms that there will be a down deposit that's non-refundable. Design work will begin after that. And the final payment will not be due until satisfactory completion from the client. Once I finish, uh, then I build in that final invoice. There are some times where I'm working with a small business or, a, a you know, a family. And so I will split it to not be two installments. So I can make it up to four installments and I work with them. Um, but then non-negotiable is that the deposit has to be paid and the contract has to be signed before I do any design work. Mm -hmm. um, that, that protects me and my time. The design part is very time intensive and there's a lot that goes into it. So uh, the last thing I would, you know, want to do is, you know, throw in 30 hours to something and then they decide to go with a different artist or um, it hasn't happened to me, but I do have a friend who's a mural artist that designed something without being under contract and they took that design and had somebody else paint it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, when I paint a mural for someone, it's very explicitly in the contract that 
they they don't own the licensing or the copyright to that image that I painted. Um, they own the mural, but I have the right to go and paint that mural somewhere else if I wanted or to print that on a shirt. Like I own the rights to that. That would be a separate fee. So if it's um, something that somebody, maybe a coffee shop wants to start making t-shirts of that, that's not in my standard rate. Um, that would be a separate licensing fee that they would pay mm-hmm. me as the designer of that image. So mm-hmm. as far as the design process, I am very collaborative with the client. And I, I try to stick to two big revisions of the design. There are some times where a revision is really us being on a Zoom call and we talk through it for an hour and a half and we look at different options and we look at different, you know, changes we can make. And so there's, there's so many changes that I make to my initial design from start to finish. And it's really just, I want to make sure that the client is in love with it before I take a paintbrush to the wall. So um, I don't limit the revisions, but the more questions I ask and the, the better questions I ask up front and the better of an idea that the client has of what they're looking for, um, the quicker we can turn around the final design and the quicker I can start painting. So once you start painting, you then also have a timeline for that, roughly, so that they kind of know? Yes, I do have them. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from our sponsor. Hi, this is Laura from Redhead Refinishings, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. Zebra brushes are awesome because they are so lightweight and very easy to use. Thank you so much, Laura, for sharing about your experience with Zebra paintbrushes. We so value our customer friends. So Bethany, you know, you just shared the process, but then we get to the the actual painting of the mural. And you know what? It reminds me of this. So I grew up as my dad was a contractor. And so, you know, you're dealing with with the client and... They've gotten their blueprints and they're all excited about their home. <laughs> and then the day comes where you dig the footing, you lay the foundation, you put the floor in, you put the, you start the framing. And all of a sudden the client goes, oh my goodness, this room is smaller than what I thought. Can you make it a little bit larger? <laughs> and so, so I'm wondering if that's what happens at all with muralists. Like the client has approved the design, you're up there painting and they're like, you know what? that looks kind of big or I don't know if I like that color. Do you get that happening as a muralist? So that's uh, one of the big reasons why you need to have a contract. So that's, uh, I have a very detailed contract so that it kind of just protects both parties. Um, But I have had clients where they, you know, they ask something in the middle of things. I actually had that happen yesterday. And they're like, oh, could we do such and such around that? And I'm like, I could have before I started. (laughs) (laughs) I could have done that. (laughs) I could have done that. That would have been not a problem at all. But you have told me too late. Um, That wasn't in the agreement. That wasn't what we discussed. It's not that I don't want to do that. It's that I cannot do that now that, you know, it, it would not work. I would have to start all over, um, repaint that wall, the background color that 
you have to try to match somehow and we'd have to start over from the beginning. Um, and they're like, okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are other times where people ask like, Hey, could we add such and such? And it's not anything to me as far as extra time or anything. And it's, it is simple. So I said, Oh sure. No problem. So as long as it's not breaking the scope or it's not causing me to redo work. Um, now, if I do something incorrectly, then I will redo it until I need to, to make it right. So that I am being compliant with what we agreed upon. Um, and then that's my fault. But if they're changing something and it would cause um, a significant delay or redo, then I'm just very open and honest with them. Or I try to find another solution. Sometimes they, people say, Oh, I want to do such and such, but really they don't really know what they want. And I say, okay, so tell me why you want to do that. And they're like, well, this seems different. And I'm like, okay, well, what I could do is X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. Um, or they say, you know what? Never mind. I like it. And so I think you can't just take it at face value with what the client, you know, initially says. The fact that they hired a mural artist, it usually means they, they aren't artists themselves. And they most of my clients are like, I cannot draw a straight line. I can't draw stick people. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said that, I'd be rich and wouldn't be working. Um, but I would say really, you just have to uncover what's really holding them back. Um, now, I do get a lot of clients, almost every job, which is funny, where at the very end of the job, the client's like, wow, this is way better than I had thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they go, I was a little nervous there for a while. Like it was looking kind of weird, but man, I just knew I had to trust you and trust the process. And I always laugh and I'm like, thanks for trusting me. Uh, despite you being terrified in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just think there's different stages of the mural that, especially if it's a really large one where like the first couple of days, you, it's it's not pretty. It's like a work in progress. So you just kind of have to trust that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's probably even good to say, why don't you take a two or three day vacation, come back, and then you can <laughs> check and see. Then, yeah, I, I know they I know they've got to be impressed because there there is something that is magnificent about seeing artwork that's huge on a huge scale, and yes. and I think that's why it intimidates a lot of people, which is why that question came about, like with respect mm -hmm. to like canvas painting, furniture painting, which is a tremendous talent in and of itself. But then to be mm -hmm. able to go to large scale, you know, that, that intimidation factor. Yeah, I want to spotlight, um, you know, a piece that you did that involved a dog and a cat. Yes. And um, I want you to tell us about that because that that is uh, really incredible. Oh, and, thank you. Um, it's just, it's such a cool, uh, we actually have a dog and a cat and we uh, our dog is a golden retriever. Okay. Uh, and so that doesn't look like our dog, but it's neat to see them. You know, it's just a typical yes. expression of a dog, right? You know, Absolutely. they're happy-go-lucky, and the cat's a little more serious in control. <laughs> so, <laughs> 100%. So yeah, tell us this about is this. A, yes, this was such a monumental moment and client for me. And I, was, I there will always be a favorite because it was a huge milestone of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. This was a 
company that I had done some work for, but not muraling. I had done some canvas work for them. They had a, a large convention and they were looking for a local artist in San Antonio to be at a booth at this massive expo and paint during the three-day weekend so that as the foot traffic is coming through the expo, people linger at their booth. And over the three days, people continue to come back so they can see the finished product by day three. And then we also raffled off the four foot by four foot painting that I completed over that three day period, start to finish. It was a blank white canvas Mm -hmm. to a fully um, painted work of art. And it was really, really fun. And it went really well with them. And they were very impressed. It accomplished what they wanted it to. A lot of foot traffic, a lot of raffle um, entries. And I met the gentleman there who runs their entire US operations. They're a global company, the largest privately owned pharmaceutical company in the world. And I apparently met the person who was uh, the best person to talk to. And he said, (laughs) He reached back out a couple months later and he says, hey, we're about to have everybody come back into the office and we're in Atlanta, Georgia, and we are just now starting to do renovations throughout the office space to update it. It was built in the 80s. It's dark. It's dingy. Everything's beige and we're brightening it up. We're, you know, taking out the old cubicles, bringing in new ones, really enhancing the light. But we have this giant white wall. And the floor that we're renovating first is our pet division. And so they oversee all of the dog and cat medications and products to include Frontline and HeartGuard, two well-known ones. And these, this pet division is the first thing they see when they step out of the elevator. It's also... Um, it's like an open concept break room where mm-hmm. the little mini, ki- the half kitchen is and, you know, this giant table for kind of community dining. And this is like the heartbeat of the floor. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. I would love to. And they said, well, we really want this mural to say and to give the feel together. We want it to feature a dog and a cat. But what we want it to invoke is the idea of coming together. Because we're coming back into the office, um, just coming together as a team. That's what we're trying to portray. And I said, okay. Well, I am a dog owner. We had a cat for a little bit as well. Um, and it didn't go well <laughs> with our dog and a cat so <laughs> at all. Um, and so we found an amazing home for the cat that we adopted that we thought would work. And it didn't. Um, so I knew very quickly that the breed of dog we select was going to be pivotal because it has to be realistic. Right. Mm -hmm. And it also has to be one that's, um, visually intriguing. Uh, golden retriever was definitely high on the list because they're such wonderful, such a wonderful breed that it's very possible and probable that they would have a cat nestled up with them. Mm -hmm. Right. But, there's not as much you can do with a color palette when you're just painting a golden retriever. So I needed something that had a little bit more visual interest. Um, one of the dogs that I have owned in the past is a Bernese mountain dog, which is the dog I painted. And they are a breed that is very well known for their ability to just play nice and work well with all mm-hmm. small animals, even not cats, like birds, all the, all the weird things like birdies are just <laughs> they are They are like this gentle giant. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I, and they're gorgeous, right? It, they happen to be one of the breeds that's on the packaging of um, this company's product. If you go into any pet store, you're going to see a Bernese Mountain Dog on multiple pet products mm-hmm. all throughout the store by various brands. They're just gorgeous. And so there was, you know, definitely some personal attachment to that breed, um, having owned one in the past um, before she passed away. But um, I just, I knew the temperament. And I knew that it would be exactly what I needed in that mural. And it just worked really well. Um, there's also a lot of meaning and intention behind the background colors. So, um, and it's very on brand with this company and on the signage and, and what they have going on in the color scheme throughout the building. So it's my own take on those colors, but I did color match. And so it's very true to the colors, but I just painted them in a different, more creative way. And mm-hmm. so it, it's really cohesive. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Gosh, how many different colors do you remember? Did you incorporate into this piece? <laughs> yes, yes. I have a, I have a picture. I'd have to see. Um, I did take a picture. I would say, off the top of my head, about thirteen or fourteen wow. different colors. Um, I have a fun picture somewhere on my Instagram where I have my paints all laid out and uh-huh. each each. Uh, corresponding zebra brush laid out in front of each uh, thing of paint. I was like, hashtag I'm addicted, but um, it was, it's great. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. So that one was in Atlanta. So it was my first out of state mural. I flew in um, another mural artist from Baltimore uh, to be my assistant. So we each worked for 40 hours that week. So it was an 80 hour mural. Um, and it was just a really, really fun experience. Gosh, that's a lot of work. Uh, even on the, <laughs> the quote side, isn't there? I mean, you know, especially when it's out of, uh, out of town, you know, because you got yes. your flight cost, your hotel cost, your food cost, and you know, you're not doing this. You're not philanthropic. You're doing this to make a living. And so you've got to right. make sure that you have profit at the end of all of that. And I learned a lot on that first one, right? Of like, oh, I didn't charge enough for lodging or <laughs> I didn't charge enough. I didn't, you know, factor in enough for rental car because, oh my goodness, it's, there's like all these extra fees in yeah. some states. And uh, it was definitely a learning curve, but um, to have that level of experience is fantastic. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. We did have, uh, we were there Monday through Friday and on Wednesday, we had like a one hour come and go session. So anybody mm-hmm. in the building, not even pet department, because all the other floors kept on coming up to watch us and meet us. <laughs> like they're trying to be the next, <laughs> the next floor to get a mural. So like, I'm pretty sure they keep on getting hounded with who's next. Um, so that was really neat, but we let everybody come up that was interested. And we had certain sections of the mural that, lended itself to participation. So we had cups and brushes. And so we would kind of guide them through and they got to um, help us paint it. So they did not help paint the dog and the cat. Um, I'm not that crazy, but on the other stuff, (laughs) they they did help color in like the big blocked um, colored sections. And that was really neat because as the week progressed, we'd have another employee walk by with someone else that wasn't there and go, Hey, look, that's the section I painted. And they just felt a part of it. So more so than just investing into a mural, it 
it just has more life than some vinyl wall covering would have had of a photo of a dog and a cat because they got to watch it come together. They got to be a part of it coming together. And then my, the person who assisted me, we had the great idea to have a whiteboard when everybody was coming by. So we had like a vote going on, like a ballot on what the, their names would be, what the dog and the cat should be named. So then we kind of added this, you know, human emotional element to the mural as well that lives on past us being there. It brought a lot of energy during the week we were there, but I've been in touch with some of the employees that are still in that department and they're like, the energy is still there. It's still mm. attached to that mural because we, we come in every morning and we have this smile on our face because it's bright and cheerful. But then we also are brought back to the week that you were here, which was lovely. So mm-hmm. it, great ROI, great yeah. ROI for yeah. them. How much fun <laughs> was that? Yeah. And what an incredible piece to have in your portfolio. I mean, that's just that's yes. phenomenal. Yes, wow. it was very fun. And tell me this. So you were talking about the paints that you use, the durability of those paints. Mm-hmm. What about anything outdoor? Uh, because, you know, you think about outdoors, you're thinking of weather. You're also thinking mm-hmm. about the possibility of vandalism, right? So yes. is there anything you do to protect the art, like special top coats? So that, you know, I mean, you can only do so much with vandalism. Right. But with weather, like what do you do to protect it? So... So far, I'm using um, like the highest quality of exterior paint that you can mm-hmm. buy at at the store, which is the same stuff they're going to be painting your house with or any other commercial building. So yeah. UV, whether it has its natural longevity, which is like 10 plus years, mm-hmm. um, that's what they advertise, right? It's definitely going to be longer, but um, in some and in, in most situations, that colors like yellow and red in high amounts are going to fade fastest. Um, yeah. There are some top coats. There are some companies that make some great top coats and sealers. Um, there is also a graffiti prevention top coat. Mm. So there is a, a an extra layer that you can add to murals. Now, I will say this is a a very I'm not going to say controversial topic, but it's one where you're going to get a wide range of answers when you ask different mural artists. There are some that I know that are painting murals all over the country outside and they don't seal. And there are others who do seal. And I think it's personal preference. I think uh, it also depends on the job. I don't think every single mural needs to be protected. Um, from like UV protection, if mm-hmm. you're in a high graffiti, you know, area, then you might want to consider investing in that. But that is a substantial investment, mm-hmm. you know, on top for the client. Uh, and with some of the graffiti coats, it requires like sandblasting that off if you ever wanted to paint over it. It's it's mm. good. You can't, you can't just paint over a graffiti top coat. <laughs> so um, that's the whole point. And that's great because you can obviously offer the client that option, you know, obviously utilizing social media and uh, saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, we're going to interview Bethany. What kind of questions do you have? It seemed like most of the questions were with that whole idea of small scale to large scale. And I think that goes Mm -hmm. back to the overwhelming nature of like, how in the world do you do that? That's a big step. (laughs) But, you know, one of the questions was, um, you know, when you're painting a canvas, you you're painting and you're kind of right there at it. So you can see the whole picture, you know, mm-hmm. within reach of your paintbrush. Right. So when you're painting right. a, a mural, even if you're up on scaffolding, you're up close, 
like how often are you getting down and then running back, you know, 30 feet and going, oh, yeah, yeah, it's looking good. I mean, is that is that a big thing or you just is that go back into the projecting it up and knowing exactly what you got to do? Yeah, I think so. I think if you're completely freehanding a mural that's greater than 200 square feet. So imagine a 10 foot tall wall by 20 foot long, Mm -hmm. like that, if you're freehanding all of that, then you're going to, you're going to draw it in first, right? Even if you're freehanding or using a projector. So I use regular like white chalk or um, Mm -hmm. like a tinted chalk just to sketch things out. Um, I prefer not to use pencil uh, because it doesn't erase well. Right. I, mm-hmm. I like to, you know, if I want to deviate from my reference lines when I actually have the paintbrush in my hand, I want to be able to do that. And so my preference is chalk and then it wipes right off. And so I would say I get, I stand back from it um, yeah, multiple times throughout the project. Right. But not constantly because if I'm working on a, you know, a section I can see everything I need to see within that section. Gotcha. That makes and, sense. But then to step back and then really look, then I'm able to see everything at one time and say, okay, where do I need to go make some touch-ups? And then I go make those touch-ups, uh, mm-hmm. you know, accordingly. But I would say for the most part, you have it drawn in, you have it sketched out, you have your proportions, you have the scale that you've needed. And if you don't have a projector, just, and you start with the design where you feel confident in, in drawing it by hand with chalk. And if you mm-hmm. mess it up, you wipe it off. Um, yeah. And it's no harm, no foul. Again, I like to evaluate what's the worst thing that could happen. And uh, it's extremely low risk, a zero risk, actually, to take chalk to the wall. <laughs> so I say just try it and do the chalk and then live with it for a couple of days and look at it. And say, okay, what would I do differently? You know, if, if you're one that wants to see it in the space and you really want to see it on the surface rather than a digital mock-up or just in your head, put it on there with chalk and then decide if you like it and then make the adjustments that you need to. But um, I am one who steps back from my canvas a lot. Uh, if I'm painting on a canvas, I think I step back from my mural way less often. Yeah, and the way you explain the process, that certainly makes sense that uh, you would be constantly, that'd be a good mm-hmm. exercise, I suppose. <laughs> running up, running back, running back. Yeah, exactly. Well, and if you look at any mural, the amount of detail that takes place within a, a single square foot is a lot less than the amount of detail that takes place within a single square foot on a canvas. Right, good point, yeah. So the amount of intricacy that takes place on canvas art far exceeds a mural in most cases. There are some murals that are extremely intricate, but there are also murals from far away that look wildly intricate. And then you get up close and you're like, that's barely even a brushstroke. It looks so realistic from far away. And then you get up close to like, take a look at the actual mural and the methods they use to paint it and kind of understand their style. And you're like, what? That's crazy how it looks so different up close mm-hmm. than it does from far away. You don't get that on canvas, right? Yeah. And um, it's just a different style of painting. You don't have to be as detailed on a mural because your your viewer is is taking it in and it's all around them rather mm-hmm. than their eyes going to a, a singular uh, point of view. Right. And so it's that's why I think a lot of clients 
are blown away with the final product is because they can't envision how it's going to feel to be almost in the art rather than mm-hmm. looking at the art. Uh, so with the dog and cat mural or with this mural, I just finished in elementary school last week. The mock-up looks great and the mock-up is to scale and I overlaid the mock-up on the photo. So I knew it was going to look just like the photo. Mm-hmm. I knew how it was going to feel because I've done this a lot. But the principal afterwards was like, oh my gosh, this is so different and so much better than I thought it was, even after you sent me the photos of it being completed. She's like, once I saw it in person, like it just came alive. And so you don't have to be as detailed. You really don't. Simple. Simple is just as impactful sometimes. Well, Bethany, as you can imagine, the Zebra crew is pretty excited that you use our brushes. And so I have to ask you, what is your favorite zebra paintbrush? The square. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I have about seven of them and (laughs) almost every time I go to the store, I buy another one. Um, And I love them so much, but I do have all of them. Uh, I I have, I am a collector. Uh, I, it really just depends on what I'm doing, but the square is my, my go-to the most because it gives me such crisp lines and that is a huge element of my murals uh Mm -hmm. i have sharp lines uh i don't do a ton of like realism or blending on Mm -hmm. my murals um so it's lettering or it's um, geometric shapes or it's some line work where i need this crisp edge and i don't want to have to break up one long continuous line into 20 brush strokes. I want to be able to kind of swoop around in one giant smooth stroke and with how much paint it holds with the, the way it distributes the paint to get a crisp edge is just like smooth as butter. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Well, <laughs> so good to hear. Well, Bethany it has been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. We definitely will keep our eyes on you as we're eager to see thank your future you. projects. Thank you. Thank you. You can find Bethany on Instagram at Riverbank Art Studio. That's right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. This week's refinishing tip comes from Meg with MW Home Goods. Hi, my name is Meg. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at MW Home Goods. One of my biggest furniture refinishing tips is to just trust the process and trust yourself. Oftentimes, about halfway through a project, I find myself thinking, what on earth have I done? Furniture refinishing almost always looks way worse before it looks better. And that is really easy to forget. Instead of panicking about a paint color I've chosen or the way the project is looking halfway through, I really, really try to finish out a project to completion before totally scrapping my original plan. More often than not, I just need to finish it out, get the hardware on, get it staged, and step back and take a look at it. Nine times out of ten, It turns out better than I even originally imagined. And if I get to the end and I still don't like the paint color I chose and I'm not loving the way it looked, paint is an easy fix. It's just paint. You can always change the color. Great reminder, Meg. Thanks for sharing. 
many of you think you are the only ones that make errors or gaffes in your finishing process? Maybe you had an incident that occurred with a client that you were terribly embarrassed about. Well, you aren't the only one. Everyone makes mistakes and we all learn from them, don't we? Welcome to our podcast segment called Furniture Bloopers. Hearing of others' mishaps actually encourages us. It reminds us that we are not alone. Yes, we all make them and it's okay. Life is too short and we can look back at these bloopers knowing that it wasn't great at the time, but you probably won't do it again and this is one more way we can glean from one another. And you know how it is often days and weeks after it happens, it's not as big of a deal as it was at the time. It's actually one of those stories you tell later and it may bring a chuckle or two, but ultimately you really do move on. Today's furniture blooper is shared by our good friend Autumn with Prayed Over Pieces. Hi y'all, I'm Autumn from Prayed Over Pieces and my YouTube channel is The Furniture Flippers Guide. So Zebra asked me to share a blooper about furniture refinishing and one thing that I have a problem with is just being a messy painter. I tend to get paint all over my hands and I, you know, really need to work on that. <laughs> but one time I was refinishing a piece, I was in a hurry painting a dresser and took a break, wrapped up my brush, was really proud of myself for saving the brush and ran to go to my kiddo's basketball game. When I got there, I started getting weird looks and my husband showed up finally to sit at the game with me and he looked at me and told me that I had paint on my face and in my hair. So the moral of the story, just make sure you check a mirror and do a quick cleanup before you head out. Gosh, Autumn, that sounds like me after dinner. It's always good to laugh, isn't it? Especially at oneself. Reminds me of a quote by Victor Hugo. Laughter is the sun that drives winter from the human face. If you have had a furniture blooper that you wouldn't mind sharing on the podcast, please reach out to us. You don't know how your mistake may be quite instrumental in keeping others from making the same one. Email me at lameball at enjoyzebra.com. The Zebra Podcast and Zebra Review Monthly Contest welcome our August paint sponsor, Yachty with Lily Moon Paint, for a special message from Yachty. Hi, everyone. It's Yachty, owner of Lily Moon Paint, and we are so excited to be a sponsor for the August Zebra Review. And it's an extra special month for us because we are celebrating the two-year anniversary of Lily Moon Paint. And as part of this celebration, we have a new exciting collection launching this week in our opulent all-in-one paint, which you guys have loved so much already. So we can't wait to share more with you on that collection and all the other little things that we're doing the rest of the month. So make sure that you're following us on social media so that you can hear the scoop on the launch date and you can see all the new colors and you can also participate in our giveaway. We are excited to see your special coffee table submissions for this month. And if you use Lily Moon Paint on your coffee table, make sure to tag us and we'll go ahead and have a special feature for you on our social media. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Congratulations, Yachty. We love having you guys as our August paint sponsor and celebrate with you all on your two years of success. The Zebra Review category theme for August is coffee tables. Our featured judge is Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture. If you have refinished a coffee table from January 1st through August 31st of 2023, simply use the hashtag ZebraCoffeeTables. 
Jen will pick her five favorites, then the remaining three judges, Katie with Salvage by Kay Scott, Katie with Katie and Company in Home, and Lauren with Portland Row Living will vote out of Jen's selections to choose the three winners. This month's prize sponsors are Lily Moon Paint, Dean Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Painting. Our staging contest with Jen and Amanda of the Vintage Sisters begins anew for the month of August. All you have to do to enter is post your pieces with the hashtag ZebraStagingAugust. Jen and Amanda, along with our three winners for July, will review the hashtag the 1st of September and choose three winners. The winners will be chosen based on the effectiveness of the staging, and this covers the quality of the piece refinished, how the pieces are staged with a particular style of furniture presented, and last but not least, the quality of photography. The three winners will receive a special framed award, zebra paintbrushes, and appear on a podcast. Also, the three winners will co-judge with Jen and Amanda for September's staging contest. Thanks for joining us. We are grateful for each of you. All links to artists will be in this week's show notes. We can't tell you how encouraged we are when we hear from you or when we read your reviews on one of the podcast directories. Speaking of podcast directory reviews, would you consider leaving one on your favorite directory if you haven't already? This helps tremendously in our ability to reach more people as well. It is a big boost to our ranking. As a thank you for leaving a review... We would like to send you a small gift. Simply screenshot your review and email it to me, laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Put podcast review in the subject heading and include your full name and mailing address. 